1: Alright everybody, what's up? Welcome in to Best on the Board here on The Athletic. It is Thursday, November 4th. Michael Beller here to shepherd you through our talk about Week 10 college football and Jets and Colts kicking off Week 9 in the NFL. Joined, as always,
2: by Dan Santaramita. Dan, what's going on? I'm I'm happy to be here because I'm on a bit of a roll lately, and yet I looked at the lines and I saw nothing that I loved. So I'm like, alright, well, we got to make this happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> gotta find the hard way to make it happen to keep that roll rolling also back with us he is back he's a dad Ari Wasserman what's going on Ari how you hey, doing man good to I have think- you back it does feel good to be back. Last night I had a restless
0: night um, because I bet a Mac under, and uh, the score was 7 nothing. I think the total ended up at about 1,000. So, uh, And the baby was crying. That was the second worst thing about my evening, but it's good to be back.
1: <laughs> uh, it's good to have you back, man. Yeah, that's 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 you know that's just sort of uh, one of the things you learn early on in parenting, right, is don't bet Mac unders. That's yeah, just, I thought maybe you know, I'll rock the baby, I'll watch a Mac game, but... You know, the, the
0: Mac is the specialty of the 50 point second quarter, I guess. So uh, I'll, uh,
1: we'll just do it again next time, huh? Yeah, we'll get right back on it next week. If there's anything that you're going to learn yeah. on the show, it's that I haven't learned my lesson when you see the two teams I'm playing this week. I mean, that's, that's that's beautiful. It's beautiful. You know, you just keep going back to the well, and we can jump in on that. Let's take a, a quick look back to last week. As Dan mentioned, he's on a bit of a roll. 2 and 0 last week. I was also two and zero last week and then we've got Ari sitting at one and one Ari wasn't with us but putting a couple of picks for us so now sitting at one and one for a week ago so Dan 11 and 10 in the season I am seven and 11 Ari at four and six uh Dan let's go to you first actually for the first pick of the week and we're gonna live in the underland a bunch a bunch on this episode Dan what do you got for us
2: so I got a Washington-Oregon under at uh, 51 and a half. And this is a weird one because Washington is all about going under this total and Oregon is all about going over this total. So it feels like a bit of, a, of who's going to decide the tempo and the pace of the game. Uh, Washington, you know, no offense and a pretty good defense in Oregon, somewhat the opposite. And, look, this is a game that should be in the markets. Washington. There's a chance of rain as always. And I just feel like Washington's more likely to control the tempo. Like they they played Michigan, a probably similar level team to Oregon, and lost thirty-one to ten, which is comfortably under that number we're working with here. I feel like that's the worst case scenario for Washington, because they just can't keep up and shoot out. They don't have the offense to do that. So yeah, Oregon could win this one like 35-20 and I lose, but I, I really think Washington has every motivation to slow the game down, keep it close, to the defense to keep Oregon a reasonable number, and the offense probably can't score more than twenty five points. So, I, I feel like uh, in the under here, and going with Washington to control the tempo is the play.
0: Well, I I don't know. Does anything uh, change about the way you view a game betting when the head coach of one of the programs yeah. that's playing in this game calls the other co- <laughs> team stupid? Or like, do you just kind of like <laughs> I don't know i I think it's interesting here. It's an interesting spot because. Oregon, in my opinion, seems to always kind of muck around with teams that they're better than. And everybody in the Pac-12, for the most part, is better than Washington. But, you know, ever since they cracked into the top four of the playoff, I think everybody, at least Oregon fans and and Pac-12 fans, are waiting for the other domino to drop. And when you look at Oregon's schedule, you try to figure out which game are they going to drop. And it's like, they're probably not going to lose this game as a a six-and-a-half-point favorite, but I could totally see a a under here where there's a close game through three maybe Oregon pulls away but it doesn't get to the 51 and a half point total
1: yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for sure and I think we all are sitting here waiting just waiting right for Oregon to make way for another team to slide into the playoff after we saw the uh, the first revealing of the standings as it stands right now Oregon sitting in, in fourth spot um, all right Ari you've got another under for us you say you are a glutton for punishment keep going back to the same well what well is that in this one
0: it's the Tar Heels, well, and I didn't know whether to play the under or to play North Carolina at minus two and a half. Am I alone here, and just waiting for when Wake Forest is going to lose? Or like, are people on the Wake Forest bandwagon to
2: the playoff? Like, it's weird talk to me here, AFC. guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think anyone thinks Wake Forest is going to run the table, do they? Is that a thing? <laughs> I think it's
0: already pretty impressive that Wake Forest went eight and zero. It's very, very hard to get to eight and zero, and when you look at. uh the next four games for them, they've got at North Carolina, home against NC State. That's a top 20 team at Clemson, which is tough no matter how you slice it. And at BC, that's they're not going to win all four of those games. But like when you look at those remaining four, what do you think is the toughest game? I would say that North Carolina is. And minus two and a half seems like a, I want to like take and empty my bank account and just go here. North Carolina minus two and a half. If this game were uh, at Wake Forest, I might feel differently. But I talked to Dan about this actually off air yesterday, and he goes, and I was like, the total of this game is 77. And it's just like, I know wake forest offense is really good. And I think that people perceive North Carolina's offense as being one of the best in the ACC, but one, I think North Carolina's offense isn't as good as people believe it to be. So pretty good, but not, not great. And I think wake forest playing in a game like this might not be able to score 60 like they've been doing every week. So 77 is a boatload of points. Uh, I'm going to play it safe. I think North Carolina is going to cover the two and a half, but I think that the under is probably a solid play here. And I've been doing great with unders this week, so um, you know, (laughs) keep it rolling. This one has dropped
1: to seven. This one has dropped to seventy-five and a half.
0: Oh, okay. I got it at seventy-seven earlier in the week, but I still feel comfortable at seventy-five and a half.
1: Dan, anything else from that conversation of your guys' uh, cute little offline conversation you want to share
2: with us? <laughs> we were just laughing, man. Like, Don't make fun of us. <laughs> <laughs> I just like when the numbers is high. This is like when I've been doing the Ole Miss the uh, past couple of weeks mm-hmm. in the show. Where it's like 82, sure, under. Who are they playing? doesn't matter. You give me that many points, I'll play the under.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, we'll see if the uh, RE can break this uh, North Carolina streak and uh, hit something involving the target. I'm going to play both, minute. and if, if I lose, yeah. then I'll just live <laughs> with it. Like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just, it's just how we do things here on Best on the Board. so how you do things in the gambling world, period. Uh, yesterday, or last week, excuse me, not yesterday, but last week, 2-0 and for me, and one of them was a prop. I'm going back to prop land. Line on Colts and Jets tonight is 10 and a half. The total is 45 and a half. have a strong feeling about either one of those I lean Colts I lean over but it's not a super strong thing where I want to play either side there are some props that I like quite a bit and I'm going to start off with this one Michael Pittman over 67 and a half receiving yards Michael Pittman has clearly taken over as not only the number one in the Colts offense uh, we knew that was going to happen and Partially it's been him, partially it's been the injuries that they've dealt with, but this is clearly an ascendant talent. I think we talk about Michael Pittman next year as pretty comfortably a top 15 or so receiver in the NFL. We're really seeing him blossom this season, and let's just go back over the last couple of weeks, guys. Last week... 15 targets, caught 10 of them for 86 yards. The week before that, only four targets, caught them all for 105 yards. The week before that, that was the one healthy game we've seen from T.Y. Hilton, only got three targets in that game. The week before that, 6'7", 89. The week before that, 6'8", 59. I mean, he is just getting peppered with targets from Carson Wentz. And now you have no T.Y. Hilton again. Paris Campbell's probably done for the season. Moelle Cox factors in when they get to the red zone, but not really a guy who does much between the 20s. This is an all-you-can-eat buffet for Michael Pittman. I think every single week, the rest of the season. So, we're going to have to see that yardage prop come up before I am afraid of the over. It would have to be into the mid 70s before I backed off of the over, and I don't even know what it would have to get to before I actually wanted to bet the under. I feel very comfortable with this. We're seeing that Colts offense round into form over the last couple of weeks. So, Michael Pittman, over 67 and a half receiving yards. It is one that I like. Ari, I love throwing my props to you. Can I talk you into this one? Uh, well,
0: what's the juice on it? Because I don't know if it's just my my bookie, yeah, it's or my my, my book, but like sometimes the props that you play are great, and then I'm like looking at minus one forty, and well, yeah, uh, that's the worst, you know, <laughs> and it happens all the time on my book. So yeah. I uh, I I am playing Michael Pittman in, in a very pivotal uh, fantasy matchup this week, so yeah. I'm betting the over <laughs> just because you like it and to like hedge my feelings. And yeah, I don't know who cares Let's about my fantasy team, but it's for a lot of money, and I just don't want
1: this guy to score, you know, 35 points tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I care about your fantasy team, Ari. I promise you. I will always listen Thank to you. Uh, stories about You got it, man. You got it, of course. Michael Pittman, feel very good about this, that role that he is playing in the Colts offense. All right, guys, let's jump back into the mix here. Ari, I'm going to go to you for your second bet. This is one we were waffling between, uh, which one we were going to go ahead and put into the show. Two Big Ten games. Wisconsin was one of your p- potential plays. Purdue was the other potential play. Let's hear who you went with and why. Uh, Well, we went with Wisconsin um,
0: because Wisconsin have been on the wrong side of the Wisconsin bets uh, all year. Um, actually, I, I hit the Army game. I took the points in the Army game. But go. Wisconsin... <laughs> against Purdue two weeks ago was a line that made zero sense to me. And I was like saying, this is the biggest trap line on the face of the planet. Makes no sense. Wisconsin should not be laying points on the road against anybody. Um, I took Purdue plus three and we all know what happened there. Like there was a complete Mm -hmm. steamroll blowout. Um, And then I was like, I'm never going to bet on Wisconsin ever again for the rest of my life. I hate Wisconsin. (laughs) Then I laid three last week against Iowa, and it was a very pleasurable experience. So I feel like I'm back (laughs) on the Wisconsin bandwagon. Uh, But this isn't about personal anecdotes. I think that it's possible here on a four-game winning streak. um, I know the first two of the four-game winning streak were Illinois and Army. But beating the crap out of Purdue on the road and beating the crap out of Iowa in a rivalry game at home, to me, seems like a program that's turning the corner a little bit here. And the funniest thing about this is for as big of a dumpster fire as people viewed Wisconsin to be in earlier on in the year, they are back if I'm not mistaken to control their own destiny in the big 10 West. And we'll probably be meeting up with Ohio state and Indianapolis like every other year. Um, (laughs) And because they play Minnesota and they're second behind Minnesota in the big 10 West at the end of the year. So like to me, if Wisconsin has turned the corner or at least has figured it out to be what the version of Wisconsin that we anticipated behind Graham Mertz, um, they should be able to handle this Rutgers team by at least two touchdowns. And, you know, I got it at 12 and a half. The line has moved to 13. I'm very curious to see where it will go before kickoff. Um, but this is a team that absolutely should be able to handle their business. And if they go back to that offense where Mertz is turning it over every year possession and they're scoring 12 points, then it's just like, I'll live with that. But right now I, I have confidence that Wisconsin is, is, is on the path to the Big 10 championship game. And if that's the case, then I think that it starts with the cover this weekend.
1: What's the line on an Ohio State Wisconsin Big Ten championship game?
0: Every single one has been seventeen, so let's just say seventeen. <laughs> and Wisconsin's always uh, winning late in the second quarter, <laughs> and then Ohio
1: State covers. <laughs> oh man, yeah, and my uh, Wisconsin fan heart goes into it saying we're going to lose by thirty. Then I get a tiny bit excited with that second quarter lead, and then you know we all. <laughs> well, know there what was. I, I covered uh, from, the game a few years ago. Wisconsin was beating the crap out of Ohio State at halftime,
0: and yeah, like, that people uh, were that like the discussing. Wisconsin's uh-huh. chance of victory, but the thing oh, with, with oh, Wisconsin is I remember it. Uh, you know, there's a talent ceiling there uh, when they're playing yes. Ohio State and that <laughs> yes. does not exist yes. when they play Rutgers, so and hopefully yeah. they can at least <laughs> do us a if favor exists, and, it, and, and, Yeah, if
1: it exists, it exists in the other way yeah, let's
0: just uh, beat the crap out of uh, Rutgers uh, for the first half and then hold The lead, you know,
1: (laughs) let's uh, let's hope we do that. Uh, I'm going to put up my second pick. Dan will save you for last. I'm going back to the NFL game and I'm going to go with another under for us. Ty Johnson under 13 and a half rushing yards in this one. Now, Ty Johnson has played a big role in the Jets offense over the last few weeks. It's been kind of remarkable to see their two most effective receivers be their two running backs, Michael Carter and Ty Johnson. But at the same time that that has happened, Michael Carter has really grabbed a stranglehold of basically all of the rushing work out of the backfield. And so that's what leads me to this one. Ty Johnson has not gotten over this number in more than a month. And it just feels like the sort of situation where they're not turning away from Michael Carter anytime soon and why should they? This is something that we in the fantasy world expected to happen pretty much at this stage of the season. That by the time we got to the week 6 to 8 range It was going to be the Michael Carter show in the backfield, and that is exactly what we're seeing, and he is playing very, very good football. So I I think that Ty Johnson is going to have a lot of trouble just getting the carries he needs to get above this number. I mean, just look back over the game logs, guys. Last week, four carries. Week before, five. Week before, four. Week before, three. Week before, three. Like, he just doesn't touch the ball as a runner, an important receiver, and I think that will be even more important this week as it was last week because the Jets are going to be playing this game without Corey Davis once again. And then on top of that... 10.5 Ten and a half point underdogs. This could easily play to a script where they're not running the ball really at all. And so suddenly Ty Johnson's four carries that we're expecting go down to two carries under 13 and a half. It's not a big number. Obviously it's a number that he could break with just one play, but I feel very good about this one. Ty Johnson just doesn't get the work necessary to want to think that he can get over this number. So I'm going to wrap that up. Ty Johnson under 13 and a half rushing yards is my second play for this episode of best on the board. Dan, bring us home. And then Ari, I want to hear from you on Dan's second pick as well. What do you got for us, Dan, in the SEC world?
2: So I got Texas A&M minus four against Auburn. This is a bit of a weird one because I feel like these teams have been streaky throughout the year. They've gone on their little runs. Auburn's on a bit of an upswing, having won at Arkansas and then at home against Ole Miss the last two weeks by double digits no less. Auburn looked like a mess when they lost to Penn State and then barely beat Georgia State. That was a game they probably should have lost for three and a half quarters. Then they sneak out this comfort behind win at LSU, get blown out at Georgia like everybody else. And then they, they're they playing a bit better. And A&M, another team, slow start to the year. Those lost to Arkansas and Mississippi State. And they shock everybody with Alabama. And they've had a couple of blowouts lately against Missouri and South Carolina. Now, the thing that gets me going here is I think we're in that, like, gauntlet part of the schedule. I don't know if you guys subscribe to this theory. Where SEC West teams in particular, you're playing LSU, Georgia, Arkansas, Ole Miss. There is a bye week in between there, and then you're playing A&M, Mississippi State for Auburn. Like, there's not an easy game in there. I kind of feel like A&M with a bye, and then Missouri and South Carolina before that's like half byes, If we're being honest, I say that as a Missouri grad, but like, I feel like a and in a good spot here. They figured out the how to run the offense with Calzada at quarterback. He's very limited. But they have a great running game, and their defense is solid. I think Bo Nix is good, but I think a ms defense is better than the one they saw the last couple games against uh, Arkansas and Ole Miss. So, I don't know, Ari, am I out of my mind by taking AM here?
0: No, I, I sometimes wonder, too, like, I think Mississippi and Arkansas, uh, two back-to-back top 20 wins, uh, not that rankings matter, but, like, I think it's very easy to look at that and go Auburn is back. And then they're going and playing a team that's immeasurably better than both of those on the road and only getting four. Like, it's like, do you believe that Auburn is like the uh, born again version of its team that's going to go play for an SEC championship? Or do you think that A&M uh, is better than them by four points? I think a is probably a touchdown better than Auburn, and I see really good value there. Can I can I say one more though one more game and I want to see if you because like I want your actual advice about whether I should play this or not uh, for my personal life. (laughs) Yes, is anybody on Earth laying three at Michigan Michigan State uh, at Purdue this weekend?
1: (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. I
2: wouldn't go near it. Yeah, you wouldn't go near either side. Yeah.
1: I just, I, I hate to, I I have a just a, sort of a, a self-protective theory of like, unless I feel awesome about a team coming off a huge, huge, potentially season-making win, I'm just going to stay away from the next game.
0: Yeah, I think it's funny because this is the patented spot for a Big Ten team that's coming out of nowhere to lose. And this is also the Purdue specialty, sort of like Iowa against
1: Purdue. Yeah, and then Purdue coming out at
0: home and just knocking and then ruining your life. I don't know. It just like seems to me it's like Michigan State ranks three in the college football playoff rankings, and they're laying three points on the road at Purdue. The line hasn't moved at all. You would think a lot of the simpleton gamblers who you know are playing these Mm -hmm. games from Las Vegas or whatever would have bet the line up a little bit when they see three versus Purdue. Like it's to me, it's the same exact way that I felt about the Purdue Wisconsin game a few weeks ago. So maybe I should just do myself a favor and just <laughs> just kind of lay off. And I just like I feel I'm the type of person that if I feel a certain way about something and then I don't bet it, and then the way that I feel hits, I feel like <laughs> I lost a bet.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean by that too. But sometimes the best bets are the best bets can often be the ones that we don't make. Yes, that's correct. That I need to learn that lesson
0: because uh, <laughs> if I even have a glimmer of a thought,
1: I'm, I'm riding. So
0: Boom, give me it. Let me get in on it. Let me get yeah. in on that right now. I don't know, like.
1: Uh, yeah, like I want it. That that's the sort of game where I would feel if if Michigan State were minus seven and a half, I would be all over Michigan State. You know, it, it it's like yes, nice sort of yes, yes, yes. <laughs> if it was even six and a half, I'd be all over yeah, Michigan like, State. Oh, my yeah. God. Michigan State's going to win this game by two touchdowns, but like minus three? This team's supposed to be playing for a national championship in a couple of months. This is ridiculous looking at this sort of spread. So, yeah, it's one that I, I feel pretty comfortable staying away from. But it's a good discussion topic and something that, uh, you know, we should be always thinking about. These just spreads that make you raise your eyebrow often do so for a reason. So maybe that's something to go into mind with over the weekend when you're looking at Purdue and state and that's going to do it for the Ari Wasserman return episode of best on the board thanks to all of you out there for joining us for Ari and Dan I am Mike Beller thanks for listening good luck this weekend happy betting